Welcome to It Came From A Podcast. It's June 10th, and today we have our, our first interview for you. That's first right. one? Yeah, we're talking to Johnny C. What's up, Johnny? Hey, what's going on, guys? We are good. Thank you. good. Absolutely. How are Thank you? Thank you so much for having us. Well, actually, we're having you, if that makes sense. That sounds weird. We're having you. Yes, <laughs> we're giving birth. That's very Hannibal-esque. It can be consumed. It's romantic at the same time. <laughs> how uh, right now? How are you feeling tonight? Pretty good, you know. I'm actually still recovering from this past weekend. Oh yeah, uh, what? Uh, where were you this past weekend? I went to New York for Special Edition NYCC. Oh Ooh. wow! What is what is what is that exactly? So, well, there's you know New York Comic Con every October at the Javits Center. Right. Uh, but this is their like half year con. It's a little bit smaller, so if I were to hold it to San Diego standards, this would be the WonderCon to SDCC for New York. That sounds exciting. So were you there in a professional capacity, or were you there just to observe? Like, what were you doing there? Well, actually, both. Uh, I initially went as a fan, you know, just kind of like to go as a fan, but uh, there was an after-con networking thing that I went to, uh, hosted by one of my collaborators, uh, J. Jacob Barker from New York, a really great kid, Stan Cho, uh, who's an artist out there, real great guys, and uh, basically we was just kind of looking to uh, find potential new collaborators for future projects, future comic book projects. But, uh, you know, I had to kill, like, my schedule was a little weird. Uh, I didn't have the money to get a hotel to stay overnight, especially this close to San Diego where, you know, you got to really save that money and buckle we're, down. We're, you know? we're what? A month, a month away, basically, right? I Exclusive salon. Exclude that devastator, man. I need to get that devastator oh. this year. I don't uh, even want to know what it is because I'm, I'm going to want one. So I don't know. <laughs> Uh, but but lo and behold, I was on the floor at Special Edition, and I just couldn't help it but buy a few things that I came across. Like uh, there was some original art from Ryan Otley, who is the illustrator on Robert Kirkman's Invincible. Oh, uh, I love it. Oh, nice. It was the um, it was issue sixty. Uh, I forget the villain's name, but the static guy, the electricity guy. It was one of the climactic panels or pages from that issue that I just actually had to have. And uh, so there I was just dropping money. I was just like, I, I know I can't do this. <laughs> yeah. I, I got yeah. to save money for San Diego, but I couldn't help it. Uh, a nice little porcelain Punisher statue. I'm a very big Punisher fan. Oh, and, nice. Uh, first era um, Marvel when they released the small porcelain statues. I, I found that at a really great price. I couldn't pass wow. it. Wow. So it was just, you know, those things that were kind of in a, a couple of sketches, too, uh, that I just I couldn't resist. Oh, Some really great artists that I was, you know, fond of that I just I, I had to get it on the spot. You have to. Yeah. So, You're forgiven. We forgive you. We forgive you. So you went, wallet. I don't forgive myself, though. I don't forgive myself. <laughs> you, went, right, you will. You went Ten all years, out. you'll forget about it. You went all yeah. out, sir. You went all out with uh, the spending. On that I really one. did. And then, uh, and then so it was uh, 8 a.m. I was on a bus up from Boston to New York that morning. At the con all day, at the after party uh, networking event all night, and then my bus home was at 4 a.m. So, so you, didn't, wow. you, didn't, you didn't sleep? Didn't sleep. The rally cry was 4 a.m. train. So, like, all the other creators of the bar, like, they, they'd hear 4 a.m. train! And they'd do another, <laughs> another beer. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely necessary. Yeah, absolutely. And that was what, honestly what kept me going the whole time. Otherwise, I would have been out, down and out. But overall, totally, totally worth it, right? 
absolutely a good time. I definitely recommend it for anybody who's looking to, to go to a con when they get maybe shut out of San Diego or New York. Those tickets are going really fast. And these smaller mid-year cons are a really great alternative. Yeah. That's awesome. So we have there's some exciting news. There's something coming out today, right? Yes, yes, and it's a long time coming. Uh, so my very first comic book called Sartana is out today on Comixology Submit. Um, Congratulations, first. Thank first you, Brad. I can't say I, I've done that. <laughs> it's um, Yet. it's a long time coming. Uh, it wasn't print first. Uh, the first run sold out. I'm still awaiting my publisher for uh new issues for a second printing of the first one and i'm actually writing the second at the moment as well but i'm really happy that for all those who couldn't get a copy of the the hard book can now at least read it on comiXology submit and they can read it all over the world nice do you have yours like nicely sealed <laughs> uh my first printing i do have actually uh tucked away my, my personal issue of the first printing uh it actually has a typo in it so uh, that's, kind of that makes it worth more that'll actually. be worth a lot someday <laughs> yeah it's a, it's kind of a rarity so uh luckily the comiXology uh edition doesn't have that typo but that first print out there there's 25 copies with typos and whoever those people are i think you did intentionally just to to make it worth that much more right like a funko like a variant like a messed up funko pop yeah, yeah, or um, one of my one of the uh, my action figures. Oh, it's not in the background. I used to have it in the background, but uh, uh, the Todd McFarlane Snake Plissken Escape from L.A. figure, two oh, editions. Nice. One had the jacket on, one had the jacket off. I prided myself in going to every single toy store during that era, trying to find both versions, and oh, eventually man. I did. It was just one of those quests, you know, those collector quests. And someone's do, going to do the same thing with your comic one day. With, with the first right. one. I can, I can only hope. Knock on wood. <laughs> <laughs> so give us a, can you give us a little background on the comic? I know when you say Sartana, like I, I'm a huge Western fan. So I've seen, you know, if you meet Sartana, I pray for your death. So if, is that kind of like an influence on it? Or is it the same character? Is it a different character? It absolutely is influenced by those movies. So awesome. um, those movies from the 60s, they're Italian films. I come from an Italian heritage, so it oh. kind of speaks to me directly. Um, nice. I really love spaghetti western as just a genre. Uh, I loved what – and, you know, I was actually started developing Sartana as a short film a long, long time ago. And it was around maybe a little bit before Quentin Tarantino announced that he was doing Django that uh, I reserved the idea to do it uh, as a comic book. When I met Joe yeah. Arnold, a phenomenal artist uh, at San Diego back 2000 and I'd say 12 now at this point, um, you know, creator connection over there. I was flipping through his portfolio. Uh, I had a completely different concept I was trying to get made, a, a post-apocalyptic sci-fi robot story, which uh, that unto itself is like my, as one artist put it, my magnum opus. Your magnum opus. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's and, uh, it, For anybody who's just trying to get started in the comic industry is that uh, you don't lead out the gate with your magnum opus. Sartana <laughs> so, uh, was kind of my back pocket, like, hey, let me just find somebody to work with and get my foot in the door in this industry thing about the real challenge for me with Sartana was, and I'm sure you guys noticed it, how short it is. It's only 13 yeah. pages of actual right, you know, dialogue right. and panels and stuff. And uh, a lot of that was that Joe was kind enough to work for free up front. Oh, uh, I see. 
we're both trying to get started. You know, um, the only thing that we actually paid for for the book was the colors, which uh, you know I'm very proud of. I think that's the true talent of the book. Uh, when you look through it, is the coloring by Eugen from, and he's actually from Moldova. Um, oh, so I see. A lot of different areas of the globe that come into play with this book you know i'm from boston my artist joe's from colorado my publisher's from austin texas and my colorist is from moldova and part that's of the awesome beauty though of, yeah that, that, and that, that's crazy that happen. the world that, the world that we live in now you can just have people all over the country all over the world and just collaborate on this amazing project absolutely and you know it's the power of the internet the internet totally made it happen here uh and that's the other thing is that in marketing the book now people from across the globe have equal stake in promoting the book. So, you know, where it's yeah. getting reposted in Moldova, it's getting reposted in Austin, Texas, it's getting reposted in Colorado, and it's getting, you know, represented in Boston by me. And I'm also a traveler, so I do New York Con, I do San Diego Con, I'm trying to expand my uh, schedule for next year as well. You know, it's only going to get better from there, hopefully. Yeah, no, I will. Trust us. Yeah. <laughs> we'll help. It's, it's hard, man, because I still work my 40-hour-a-week job. It's not like I'm resigned strictly to doing uh, yeah. comics, the, you know? I think me and Ricky are in the same, in the the, same boat when the, it comes yeah. to the struggle. The struggle, I call it. You got to grind, man. Yeah. <laughs> I tell everyone, it's like World of Warcraft. You have to grind and grind and grind. And then when you get a flying mount, they take away flying. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, people listening to this are World of Warcraft. <laughs> so, listen. Can you talk to us a little bit, uh, a little bit about your collaborators and how you linked up with them? Sure. So, uh, the majority of my connections were made at conventions. Uh, most conventions have a either panel or uh, some type of meetup or some type of outlet for creators to be able to get together and pitch ideas. Um, both New York and San Diego have creator connections. San Diego's is more like speed dating. They put an artist across from a writer, and you have five minutes pretty much just to pitch your ideas back and forth and see if there's some type of connection. Um, New York is a little bit more of a free-for-all. Uh, surprisingly, I've actually found uh, a lot more success through contacts out of New York than San Diego, oh, unfortunately. But my but Joe did come from San Diego. He was my first step in the door, and uh, uh, he um, he was sourced from uh, SDCC. And um, you know, uh, then my publisher came actually through Joe's reference, uh, and as well as Eugene, because they were both working on other mutual projects. So through that, I kind of got you know linked up with ccp comics and i got linked up with eugen and then after knowing eugen and uh you know starting to work on my second book uh i carried him over so he's going to be coloring my second book as well just because again his oh, perfect yeah Consistency. His, his colors are just phenomenal well They're, i was i was gonna say the just for me we sergio and i got to read the first issue and just the the art is amazing but the the colors i always look at color first the colors mm -hmm. just pop man they really do yeah, they really gorgeous. do uh, the things he does with sunlight blow my mind if you look at yeah. all the rays of light and uh there's a there's a panel in there that has a bunch of uh um outlaws on a kind of a hill and there's a star like a night sky backdrop and you can kind of see like the brim of dusk and it just that little brim of light and just the things he does the little 
nuances and details like that are just it's it's worth every penny i paid for and and he's he's unbelievable so I remember the last frame looked beautiful too yeah which we don't want to give away we don't want to give away we're not we're not going to describe it yeah yeah, that that is a, a nice little big twist at the end there how was the uh so how was the collaborative process with these guys how much input did you give them how was how did that work out well, I mean, Sartana being a comic book was my first rodeo in terms of producing and writing a comic book. So I did make all the same mistakes that I hear a lot of the professionals when I'm, you know, when I read books and went to, you know, panels to learn, told people not to do. I kind of just did it through trial and error. You know, I'm not Alan Moore, so I don't put nine panels per page, even though <laughs> I, I tried to. <laughs> I think um, I would too. Yeah, I mean, I just want to cram so much in one page yeah. and. I want to make everything look so cinematic and because i mean that's kind of where i sort of started from was you know music videos short films web series stuff like that and you know uh, uh when i you know and actually part of the reason i got into comics or started doing comics is it was a lot easier to pull three people together to work for free versus 20 people on a film shoot you know where the best they're going to get is pizza and beer that day yeah <laughs> yeah it was actually a failed pilot that I tried producing that pushed me to comics. Um, you know, everything, everything was going really well. It was something that, you know, me and the other creatives of that project thought could really work on like FX or HBO. I mean, we really believed in the project and, uh, it just fell apart. I mean, one guy got an opportunity to work at a high profile TV show in New York. Uh, another kid moved to, uh, Rhode Island to you know work at a bar and you know he just couldn't get around and it was just getting harder and harder to complete the thing and then at that point it was just like you have to throw up your hands and say I give up but me as an individual I just have this perpetual need to create and be creative and have projects going all the time so comics just seemed like the logical step especially considering I've been reading them my almost my whole life and you know i've always loved comic books and i'm always crazy about them and i'm always the guy you know saying oh this would be cool if they did this you know and then i just took it and finally decided hey i should make books i should be doing this yeah. <laughs> it's a great medium to be honest that's the thing i feel like some of my favorite writers have graphic novels mm-hmm. and that says something about it so you can go from writing a book to a graphic novel which people used to think was childish almost you know it was like a little cartoon is now an amazing medium to tell stories more often than, than not now is the best time to get into comics because it's so easy there's so many ways you can yeah. self-publish and you can go digital uh and you just gotta put your work out there you know that's yeah. really the bottom line if you're if you're aspiring and you want to get into it it's a matter of just doing it and doing it for free until you're noticed and you know, also, also if if you know you release a comic and the comic is the comic is successful enough. You can still make that movie out of that comic if you want to later on. You know. Yeah, I mean, can I tell you guys a story of some guy that kind of partially inspired me? Of do course. it. We, we love stories. It. We love stories. Story time. Okay, story time. <laughs> Ricky, being uh, having been to San Diego, you might be familiar, but there's this guy, this uh, uh, independent publisher, and I'm honest, I forget the, the the gentleman's name, but I remember the name of his book. It's called Boilerplate. Okay. And what it is is a Victor- Victorian era steampunk robot placed into historical photos. And then they he wrote paragraphs 
you know, to go with each photo. So he did this nice little like Forrest Gump with like this Victorian robot <laughs> in historical settings. And it's just really this, his booth was amazing. Like, you know, he had a really nice banner and it was very just eye catching and compelling. I think I remember. I think I remember that booth actually. You know that you talk about it, yeah. Yeah, you might, you might, if you've passed it before, you know. And uh, there's the story I heard, which I later confirmed with him when I spoke to him directly about it. But J.J. Abrams was walking through the floor one day on his way to Hall H for the EW panel and came across Boilerplate and was so enthralled by it that he set up a meeting with the guy right away. And then they were in touch. Wow. That's all it takes, man. That is, that's inspiring to me. I mean, it just goes to show that if you have enough perseverance to, you know, surpass the waiting list of getting a table at SDCC and have the passion of the work that you're doing, anything's possible. And the payoff's right around the corner. Hard work pays off, man. It really does. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I know you mentioned Boston. You grew up in Boston, right? I did. Yes. And uh, so did growing up in Boston, is there anything about growing up in Boston that kind of influenced your work, influenced your writing? Not really. Uh, I mean, I, I part of the stories I have that I'd like to produce are primarily set in Boston and New England. So the, the sci-fi apocalyptic robot one, I can give you the quick pitch of it. Yeah, sure. Um, go, go for it. Exclusive, yeah, yeah. exclusive right here. <laughs> well, many people have heard this pitch before, but uh, <laughs> on the air. So it's a post-apocalyptic sci-fi story set in uh, New England, primarily Concord, Massachusetts, where the Revolutionary War occurred, where humanity has fallen to the second rung behind artificial intelligence. So artificial intelligence have taken over major cities, and they've given humanity one option. Either you can meld with us, give us your consciousness and become an AI, or you can live on the outskirts of our cities in suburbs with no electricity. So the humans who resisted went that way. The humans who caved in lived in the, the, the cities. And the cities are these lush, tall buildings with you know Blade Runner-esque lights and stuff flying all over the place and looking cool. And then you've got the suburbs, which are these, you know, these, you know, suburban houses with greenery growing all over them and just looking all post-apocalyptic like something out of uh uh you know that show revolution that was on nbc oh, yeah. oh yeah 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 and then uh the real part of the story is about clark this young man who on a excursion he's a scavenger finds uh an antiquated robot from before the switch in power from ai being the primary nice. superior race and he brings that robot back to his suburban village and they go, what are you doing? You're just bringing the enemy to our door. They boot him and the robot out. And it then really more becomes about a buddy story. Finding, oh, nice. Finding, oh, a, okay. finding a home in, in, in America where, or in the world actually, where artificial intelligence is superior and, you know, humans are anti-robot and, you know, living in like, recluse neighborhoods with no electricity just trying to get by like the olden days like the olden days yeah so that's 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 one of my stories that's primarily set in boston and it's kind of boston inspired but to the other extent of that not really i mean like sartana like 
Sartana, I, I wanted to film initially, but I'm from Boston. There's not really <laughs> Western out this Green way. Green <laughs> It's like, uh, yeah, it really wouldn't fly. I mean, I've got only two lo filming locations. Um, uh, Sturbridge Village, which is like an 18th century recreation kind of place. <laughs> and uh, Plymouth Rock, where they have like, you know, people dressed as pilgrims and Indians you know, like year round. Jesus backdrops. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like I ain't filming Sartana anywhere near there. So you know, again, another reason why the comic book medium was just perfect for me. I think it suits it well, to be honest. I mean, I haven't read that many Western-inspired comics, mm -hmm. and after reading it, I was like, why? I mean, that universe seems like it just would fit perfectly. Yeah, I mean, some of the ones that are out there are just more obscure, like people don't know about them. You know, there's. Yeah. Um, Primarily Jonah Hex. I mean, that's really yeah. the one. Oh, yes. yes yeah, and it was made into a terrible movie. A very terrible movie. That movie but see. that movie, I got to meet Megan Fox and Josh Brolin and Michael Fassbender at Comic-Con. It was great. Oh, Did you tell me it was a great movie? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know, regretfully, I didn't know who Michael Fassbender was then. So I was just like, mm, okay, whatever. But, like, had, had I known who he, he would have turned into... Yeah, I would have geeked out so much more. Like, oh my God, Mag his Magneto. You're going to be Magneto, sir. Yeah, <laughs> oh, no. Man. <laughs> oh, man. So, do you, do you still do you still want to film and, and work in that industry as well, or are you sticking solely to comics for now? Well, I mean, I... So, I, do, I did do a couple of music videos, and I still do that, but just I'm in such a limited capacity at the moment with the uh, film crew that uh it, it's hard and it's almost next to impossible to try to get it done i'd still like to work in it i still would like to do some things i have a couple of great ideas uh, i'd like to do a documentary at one point uh that i have in the back of my mind um i have uh, a couple of film scripts that uh if i don't film it i'd like to maybe even just flesh them out a little bit more and see if i can get them produced or maybe even put on the blacklist you know nice. um so there are some aspirations still for getting into film it's just a matter of facilitating it and now things are just kind of going pretty good for comics right now i'm in a really good flow that i don't want to yeah. break that um i might be revisiting my web series i helped produce uh a while back it's called vulgarity uh it's basically a ba it's based on an actual band by the name of vulgarity that um it's like the monkeys it's you know mm. uh, hey, hey we're vulgarity the, right <laughs> it's they they get into like like mishaps each week and then each episode ends with a song <laughs> oh perfect <laughs> it's really poorly produced and goofy it was just like this really like living cartoon kind of thing like how how silly can we get and yeah. it was just, a lot of it was really just fun of like getting friends together you know and shooting stuff you should definitely nice. you should definitely i mean if it comes when it comes to that stuff web series are definitely the way to go now it's the and, uh, yeah, of course easiest way to get your your, your stuff out there yeah absolutely and let's not forget it i'd like to eventually produce uh, that's our ben that's a hashtag. That's our Ben. Hashtag. That's our Ben, which is uh, a, a kind of a running joke in our uh, Google Hangouts for Comic Con. Uh, ben Kacharski, who's been referenced before in the podcast, <laughs> the living legend. Uh, we we formed almost like this fictionalized. Well, it's it's Ben's world. We just live in it. That's really the basis of it. 
But it's gotten so and crazy that there's 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 spinoffs now and it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's gotten nuts. It's gotten nuts. It's just us having fun, really. <laughs> just goes to show her all of our creative sides because I mean we've plotted seasons of that show just hanging out like chatting. You know what I mean? I think there is an entire season of that show plotted out on that on that chat somewhere. In that chat somewhere, yeah. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, as for writing, do you have formal training in writing, or how did you stumble upon it? Would you say? I do- I do not have training. My writing is the most unauthored, unorthodox training that you can get. Um, so? I, I started by collecting movie scripts and downloading movie scripts and oh, reading movie here. scripts and devouring them. Um, just a lot of it was just me being a fan wanting to read movies before they were released. <laughs> exactly. Same so, here. yeah, like, so I would scavenge the net, like, uh, I remember reading like just all these scripts in advance and then seeing the movie and almost being disappointed because they didn't really live up to the original first draft. That's the best way to know when a movie's going to go either south or, you know, actually might be better than the script was. Absolutely. I mean, if, if, I would almost rather go back. I love uh, Ed Norton's Incredible Hulk as a movie, but I'd oh. almost want to go back and revisit that script again because just that was such a fantastic read. Which he actually he wrote. If I remember, he wrote part of the script, right? Or he doctored it, or he did something to it, right? The, the draft I read was his draft. His draft. It was awesome. It really it captured a lot of heart that was left out of the movie, and I can see why. I need to read the timing and budget. Yeah, it's 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 such a good read. Another really great one of my favorite scripts. It's a Marvel movie. It was what was supposed to be 2004's Punisher. Uh, Michael, um, the, yes. late, the late great Michael France wrote this really fantastic draft of the Punisher that was just straight up the character that I remember from the comic books. And uh, if I remember, I think Jonathan Hensley came in and directed that thing and just changed everything up entirely and butchered the thing. Um, so you said you liked, you liked reading scripts and mm-hmm. did you start writing like scripts or did you, yeah, did so you go yeah, from there? A little bit back to the unorthodox training. I, 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 partook in to 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 do it so uh, it really was that i was reading scripts then it got to the point where i had the opportunity to do the web series uh, with my friends and i was writing every one of those episodes so i found myself actually putting myself in the process of doing that and writing this serialized thing and then i start to i just started to understand the 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 free form and the flow of things um i uh to be 100 percent frank and honest i i self-medicate and then <laughs> I would put myself into the zone to write. And uh, <laughs> I, I felt like I almost had that as a crutch. And it was just, but it would, it would work. It would totally work yeah. because I'd be sober and then I'd try to like write and I'd be hitting a wall and then I'd get, you know, to where I needed to be. And then next thing I know, it's like 4 a.m. and I'm like 10 pages deep, you know? Yeah. So wow. it was like I definitely found my flow. Creative outlet. Right, exactly. And, and for a while I was like, okay, this is kind of messed up. Like I have this crutch to like use to write and to get me to where I need to be. But then I went to, was it the Wilford panel in San Diego? And, uh, they were talking about, uh, you know, people who use marijuana and things like that. And, uh, you know, that's a real focus of the show. And somebody had asked about, you know, whether the writers partook in that. And, the people in the panel were like, oh yeah, the writers do, they're somewhere in the audience. And um, 
<laughs> sure enough, I approached him later and I was like, is that true? Do you guys really do that? And he goes, yeah, of course. And I'm like, well, I'm so glad you said that because that's what I do. And uh, I just wanted, like, I'm glad that like, I'm not the only guy out there doing that. <laughs> you know what it's I mean? It's ADD medication. I'll tell you what, watching, watching Wilford, Wolf, there's no way that they're not on something writing really? that. There's no way they're not writing that show. Yeah, he told me, and I'll never forget the words he said. He goes, he goes, I get blasted right in my draft, and then handed over to my sober editor, and he just fixes it up, and then everything's great. Yeah, and I'm like, that's fantastic. I wish I had an editor. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but yeah, so I mean, that's really where my training came from. It was kind of just this unorthodox, like you know, reading scripts, applying it to you know what I was trying to do, and then executing it. And then just and so, the same thing, doing it over again for comics, learning panels and form and, you know, the structure for, you know, writing that type of story. That's what I want to ask you. Well, I don't, when I don't you write a script, how does it translate over to a comic? What's so, the difference, would you say? Well, you know, when you're writing a movie script, I mean, it's really about the scene and, you know, putting as much effort into getting the most out of that one scene that, you know, that, 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 um, you know the, the the takes that you have to really think of the actors and the things that you know how they might react to it and there's a lot more thought process going into the actual production value yeah. when i'm writing a, like a movie script or something that, that needs to be filmed but when i'm writing a comic it's more about like what's going to give the reader that yeah like when to do when to do a widescreen panel when to do a splash page when to make it so that, you know, when you turn the page, you're like, wow, like something hits you. A great example, and I don't know if you guys read the Walking Dead comics. Of course, of course. But yes, sir. Best color ever. When Rick says, <laughs> when Rick says, we are the Walking Dead. We are the Walking Dead, yeah. Yeah. How much Gorgeous. of a poignant moment. You turn the page, and there it was. Biggest day, Rick looking like Marv from Sin City, going, we are the Walking Dead. I mean, I was floored by that and that yeah, first one like, first comic like the first part of it is what got me hooked and that's i think that's what every good comic does you know it's like a tease to this is our series and uh yeah i mean that's kind of uh that's the idea we'll see the thing with sartana it's a little bit different too is that the second issue uh giving you know that knowing, knowing that you guys know the context of what happened in issue one the second issue actually and it's only a two issue series the second issue takes place 20 years later hmm so, oh, interesting. I would have had no idea it went there. Yeah, so it takes place 20 years later, and it kind of fills in the gap. So there's some threads, tiny threads from the first issue that pay off in big ways in the second issue. Yeah, that was my question, because the first one, it kind of, it's like, it's an origin story, basically, right? A little bit, yeah. I mean, it's primarily just an origin story of almost like Sartana as he, as he now proclaims himself his first job right because yeah. you also get a little bit of context at, from the character where he came from so you get a little bit of idea of okay he was in this situation he pulled himself out of that but he calls himself a name that came from the roots in which he came from you know what right. i mean like he, he mm-hmm, honors yeah. his revival kind of thing almost maybe yeah he, he honors his messed up past through carrying this name and this name comes with a reputation like, which i thought i thought was very very interesting the little spin that you did there with the history of the name and why he uses it and that was that was really well done thank you thank you sir yeah i, I just I wanted, to, uh, I wanted to make it more of a per- persona than an actual name 
you know, almost give him that it's bigger than himself kind of thing. Yeah, like give him that superhero kind of feel. You know, take take the Western character and make him seem larger than life. You know, yeah. and, right, uh, right. It's very much inspired, but like I said, it's an Italian thing. It's uh, uh it's in the Fumetti style. Fumetti's uh, Italian for comic book, but it's also its own style. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of uh, Di- Diabolique. Diabolic. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah, Come well, on. That, that was that same idea. I mean, they were very oh. short comic strip stories that you know were high in romance and action and you know they were very over the top and weird and cheeky and that's kind of what i wanted to bring a little bit to sartana was you know that pre-existing spaghetti western character in that fumetti style yeah which yeah, i think well yeah i think you i think you accomplished that thank you sir you definitely thank nailed you. it yeah i know so uh we, we spoke about marvel a little bit and i wanted to know what uh what were your favorite? Well, first of all, Marvel versus DC. You're, I'm, I'm guessing you're more of a Marvel guy, right? Oh man, I preach Marvel for life. Hashtag Marvel, the number four life. Like if you see that online anywhere, I was probably one of the first people to to really push <laughs> that hashtag out there, just because I've, I've always loved Marvel. I did love DC for the longest time, and I still do in some aspects, but I just don't appreciate some of their creative direction i just think that uh, uh, i don't think anyone does no i mean there really is a, a, a you know i mean putting ads and panels and yeah. no, no the whole you break you break the story yeah and moving out of new york and just like i don't know what they have going on with them but uh you know marvel's always just spoken to me more directly and I, I think i feel like i relate more to the characters in marvel than i do in any dc comic book i'm not I to say that the mass majority of people will agree it's really just the general popular just the fact that you know marvel marvel is more for the people dc is kind of tough to re- i mean not to say that there aren't dc books i appreciated i loved garth ennis's hellblazer i love v for vendetta i right. love watchmen the killing joke Oh, Killing Joke is fantastic. It's fantastic. It's I, That's what I would want to see as a movie, you know, The Killing yeah, Joke. that's what I expected for the longest time. Right, right. I mean, why make those stories into movies? I mean, I appreciate doing original stories, you know, but like, almost like Days of Futures Past. I mean, it wasn't exactly like the book, but it paid enough homage to it for right. to really just be cool and to you know inspire me and you know for me to finally see things from the comic books that i've always wanted to see in the big screen you know it's the respect of the story i feel like what we've seen from the new dc movies are not respecting what dc has done and and that we've grown to know yeah they don't man for the most part did pretty decent i liked the movies i enjoyed them i think a lot of people did too i don't feel like they respect the characters and the audience that loves these characters. Like, I honestly feel like, and I, I hate to say this about Zack Snyder because I think he's a great director. Uh, I'm one of the few that really rally for Sucker Punch. I think there's some value there. Yeah. But, um, I, I love Sucker Punch. Yeah, a lot of people hated it, but I mean, like, I, exactly. I loved it. But uh, I, I think he's making, like, frat boy movies. Like, I think he's turning Batman and Superman into what, like, a frat boy at a college would want to, like, <laughs> like would want to see. It's you know what I mean? It's not my cause... Superman. It's not my Superman. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, you mentioned earlier about, you know, you can relate more to the Marvel heroes, too. Like, I mean, look at Captain America. Captain America's an average Joe who turned into this amazing, icon- iconic figure for people. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I mean, 
I look at one of my absolute favorite moments in all 11 movies was Cap 1 when Dr. Erskine has the schnapps. Yeah. And tells Cap, you know, no matter what happens tomorrow, stay who you are, not just a perfect soldier, but a good man. A good man. Yeah. And there's not one moment in any of the DC movies, for as good as Dark Knight is, that has as much heart as that one scene in Cap One. That's the that's a perfect point right there. That's that that is the difference between the DC and the Marvel movies. The DC movies don't have any heart. Yeah, yeah. Really I think don't. Marvel tries to leave something with you when you leave the theater, but DC, for the most part, it's like I can walk away from that and not take much from it in my everyday life. So, Johnny, just to get back on, you know, talking talk about you because it's all about you. Um, what um, what projects do you have coming up? Any new comics? Any new? Yep. So I've got one. One comic getting colored right now that's completely different. It's new. From, um, it will have issue two of Sartana. So that's going to that's be coming out a little bit later down the line. So that's going to be a little bit on that one. But uh, my next book is called Surrounded by Death. Uh, it was an original, not my, my original story, but an original story for somebody I met in San Diego a few years back. I think it was 2013. Who was going to make this story as a novel. And, you know, I was flipping through his transcript and I was going, wait a minute, this would be a fantastic comic book. So I took his idea, took a uh, artist I met in New York, put them two together, rewrote his novel transcript as a comic transcript. And then we, we just got the ball rolling and uh, we put together a 30 page oversized first issue. Uh, wow. It's getting colored now. Uh, we're going with Eugene again, who did uh, the colors for Sartana. Uh, so it's going to have that nice, nice, bright look. The that concept, pop. That pop. That pop, yep. It's uh, it's going to... The basic idea is uh, it's Mallrats meets The Walking Dead. Ooh. And the That's whole... Super thing, interesting. Yeah. The whole idea is that here are these people living in this mall surrounded by the living dead but they're living their lives like everything's a-okay mm. and it's more about these characters in the mall interacting than it is about any zombies or anything like that so it's more mall rats than anything else there just happens to be zombies milling about yes. and uh, so there's there's comedic elements i'm guessing this is a very comedic book it's a it's a complete 180 from the pre from Sartana totally. Now and I just want to edit out I mean, edit mall rats so just add a random scene of zombies in between randomly. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean the thing is originally we were gonna go black and white with it, but uh, it, I felt like it was a little bit too much like Walking like Dead. Like Walking Dead. Yeah. And then mm. we wanted to also convey it to be almost like a sitcom, so we wanted to be bright and to have that bright like look. Fun you know, colors. Like, like always sunny in philly or you know um just like a sitcom like or, or holliston like any one of those sitcoms you know those those types of sitcoms yeah i mean you could you could just from hearing that that pitch you could easily do a web series off of it too yeah i, mean, you know, I think like, it, i think it has that appeal that's why i kind of saw in the project when i initially read it that i'm like okay i can see this definitely translating to different mediums so that's why i really put my faith in it and i you know i, I helped uh um uh, Mark Elliott from San Diego, uh, who I met there, I helped him produce it because I just I saw just the potential for this uh, for this story. Story. Yeah. Um, and then the third book I have, I'm actually I think I met a prospect at this past weekend's convention as a illustrator, but uh, 
this third book I'm doing is a superhero story. And the best way to describe it, I'm going to actually use pre-existing characters to give you context. Imagine Alex Murphy's RoboCop, Peter Weller. Right. Being a rookie cop in a corrupt police department, saving Batman's life, who's close to being mortally wounded, and then being dragged into a life of crime fighting through capes and masks where he can't do the justice he can in the police department. And I like it. Yeah, that's my, so you have, you have this whole world of superheroes and, and, and he gets kind of sucked into that world. Well, so my whole, my rule of thumb for this, for that concept is no superpowers. Um, and it is more realistic in the sense of the practicality of being a superhero. Basically I loved kick ass Yes, but it but it it kind of like it was a little bit goofy. Yeah, like was, a little too much at times. Let's say I was hoping for based on that first Steve McNiven cover of Kickass number one, where it's red and black and white and mm-hmm. it's all bloody and beat up. I'm like, wow, that's like that. Just the whole intriguing concept of somebody taking it upon themselves to wear a, a mask and go out and try to fight crime. I mean, that's really the intrigue. So, where are you in five years? Oh man, <laughs> oh man, that's a tough one. I don't like to jinx myself, but um, I'd like to think that someday—I won't say five years, but someday—I'm uh, on a panel in Hall H. That's the dream. You know what I mean? Like. If I can, uh, if one of my projects gets ever big enough that I'm lucky enough to ever grace the halls of Hall H as a, as a panelist, uh, I would die happy. I'd be, I'd die a happy man. So really, you now that you mentioned you that really, really quickly, because you didn't mention Hall H, you are on a panel this year at Comic Con though. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not confirmed yet, but I am on a waiting list to be a part okay. of, if not one, but possibly two panels for this year's Comic Con. We're all waiting for you. Yeah. Hopefully that happens. Uh, yeah, so it's um, if I do get the okay, I know for sure one of them is going to be Thursday at 3 p.m. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So fingers crossed on that one. Hopefully fingers. everything goes through. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm on the waiting list. I think everything should be okay. So I'm confident enough to say that it's it, it's probably going to happen. Dude, fingers crossed, because Ricky has to see you. I have, yeah, to, well, I have to beat that panel. Absolutely. I mean, the last year's panel was t- kind of tough. It was uh, eight o'clock right after Saturday, Hall H. Not too many people showed up. I was a mess because I did the 24 hour sleep out. Uh, I, was, I was there. Yep, you were there. You saw me. I was like the living dead. I think my buddy Rick was like, your friend Ricky from the hangout said that you looked green and you were ready to pass out. And I'm like, yeah, man, I know. I was fighting the con flu. I was just doing whatever I could just to get it all in, you know? So we're running out of time. What we're going to do is off the top three. Have you ever done one of these? No, and I'm kind of nervous. <laughs> we haven't either. So it's our first. <laughs> this is our first launch of off the top three. I'm honored. All right, so what we're going to do is we chose the topic. Normally it would be random, but we wanted to suit the topic at hand. So comics, graphic novels, to be specific. So off the top three, Ricky, your top three graphic novels. Uh, v for Vendetta, Watchmen, and it's not really a graphic novel. It's my favorite run in comics ever, which is uh, Civil War. Okay. That, that counts, I'd say. In a sense, you can get it in a graphic novel. Sergio, top three graphic novels. Go. Okay, so Watchmen. Now... Midnight Nation, I adore. Midnight Nation. Go check it out, guys. And uh, top three, Black Hole. I'll do Black Hole. 
Now, Johnny C. Off the top three, what is your top three favorite graphic novels? You guys took like all my all time favorites. You can use them. <laughs> well, you can use the, the same one. ones. Well, basically, everything that you guys said, but I'm going to throw a few in that I've read lately that I really enjoy. One of them's uh, Matt Fraction's Hawkeye. That's coming out in an omnibus soon. Check that out. Really good story. So um, good. So good. I need to catch that one. Yep. Um, Preacher. Uh, that whole series uh, is absolutely phenomenal. I can read that over and over again. Uh, and I can't wait for the new series coming out. I hope yep. they do it justice. Uh, and then the third one, I'll uh, I'll throw another DC title in there just to be fair. Uh, uh, Hellblazer, Dangerous Habits. There you go. Oh. The whole cancer story with uh, John Constantine, probably one of the best. Seriously. Uh, I, I only wish that the show lasted long enough to finally get to that point. Get to that like point, were, yeah. Yeah, they were teasing uh, yeah, it. Yeah, I did too. It, it never quite made it. Cut and, you know, that's really list. off the top of my head only because you guys took everything I, I, that's I it. said. That's awesome. That worked yeah. out. Yeah, definitely check out those other ones too because, I mean, they're great. Oh, and, I mean, Robert Kirkman's Invisible. I can talk comics all, all right. day. Dude, all day. But I did hear about this other comic. Actually, it's out today. Razor Guns for Death is Near, and Sartana is soon to follow. Part one, the difference between criminals and villains is out today. Have you heard about that one, Johnny C? That's correct, yes. That's, that is my <laughs> first book, and it is available today. So if you do have, I believe it's going to be going up for uh, 99 cents. So uh, if you have 99 cents to spare, you want to see some really awesome colors and read this wild, over-the-top spaghetti western uh uh Tana is definitely the book for you five yeah, years you read five years from now it. five years from now somebody else is gonna be doing a podcast and that off the top three is gonna come out and they're gonna say Tartana is on my top three so <laughs> so guys do me a favor go out there and support what they're doing and you can do so for 99 freaking cents okay support independent comics man that's the next exactly. generation oh, writers we gotta support ourselves creators. absolutely so thank you so much for, for coming on. We truly appreciate it. Um, I am Sergio AM, and that over there, you can't see him, is Ricky Kazvan. That's me. Thank you so much for doing this, John. Johnny C, We where can we find you? Can we find you online? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. So all my social media. Um, it's... Uh, Twitter handle? Yep. Facebook.com slash Jay Cavuto. Facebook.com slash uh, Sartana comic book. Facebook.com slash surrounded by death comic. Um, Twitter at Johnny C138. Instagram at Johnny C138. And uh, at every single San Diego Comic Con out there. So I will say, I probably just forgot everything you said, but guess what, guys? We have that in the show notes. We're going to put all your Twitter handles, all the Facebook pages, all those things in one spot for you. So make sure to read that. Click the links. Support, support, support. Thank you. Again, thanks for coming on. You're awesome. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, anyways, thank you so much, bud. We truly appreciate it. And um, we'll have you back for an actual podcast. We'll have you on for a roundtable. I think it'd be awesome to have you on for a roundtable when we do one. You know, I wouldn't mind coming back to slam Batfleck versus Space Jesus. So, you actually, you know what? When that's out, we should do the roundtable yep. for that month. Yep. We'll do I, it then. I'd be happy, like, after we all see it, just come back to the table and see what we... Hopefully we're all wrong. Best movie ever! Right? I know. I can <laughs> blow my mind. Chances seem slim. <laughs> slim chances right now. You know, well, I've been proved wrong before, uh, primarily, and in the, in this maybe one more quick story before we all go and do wrap it, it up. We'll, we'll end on this note. We'll end on this note. 
one little note. So it's it's very possible as us being comic book fans to be proven wrong. Um, for the longest time, I didn't think Chris Evans was going to be a good Captain America, and then lo and behold, uh, he was fantastic. He was phenomenal, and it's a testament to how good of an actor he is. Is because I actually went to high school with him. Oh and wow! Wow. When I, when I when I saw him in Fantastic Four, I couldn't separate myself and the kid I was in computer class with, and you know him and the character. But then when he played Cap he completely lost himself in the role and it just, it just, I don't completely agree with that. Yeah. And, and, and that's just a testament to how good of an actor he is, as well as how easy it is for a comic book fan to be proven wrong. So, but how good was he at computers? Uh, you know, he was always an actor. He was a theater kid, even in high school. So, uh, I can't speak to what his computer grades were, but I always knew he was a phenomenal actor. Even dating shots back to the fired. Place. The, the plays he did in high school. <laughs> Great captain, horrible at computers. Yeah. Yeah. Watch, Chris is going to respond and be like, yes, I thought it sucked. I read that. It sucked. No. <laughs> but uh, right, anyway, guys. thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. It's been real fun. Hopefully I can come back and talk again. Absolutely. Thanks so much.